This is Roots and Stems, an Indigenous language podcast brought to you by Sea Alaska Heritage. Roots and Stems is where we dig in and explore ways to support and join language revitalization efforts. Lindsay Hinudi Ka'ang. My name is Lindsay, and I will be hosting this episode of Roots and Stems. In this episode, I interview Nancy Barnes, Alex Royale, David Lang, and Alfie Price, who are all Simshan and learning their indigenous language here in Juneau, Alaska. Nancy Barnes, Dewayu, and Amshuamsh, Mansadolga, Deget, Dewayu, Lakshkik, Deptegu, Simshan, Ada, Alutik new. Uh, my name's Nancy Barnes. My English name, my Shemalgik name, my Simshian name is Manson Dolgadaget, and it means the woman who holds up the people. I'm Eagle, um, and I'm glad to be here. Alex Rail Duayu, Simsianu Adagitakanitsku, Lakshkik Dipteru, Akwan Anidawatku, Akwan Anidawatzaru, Vinito Orkit Wadinoyu, Gregory Bowen, Wanadina Gwadu, Takdain Tan Diptecht, Luam Goru, Wilgakoidiksisum Sagetwin. My name's Alex Rail. I was born in Juneau, raised here, live here now. I'm of the Eagle Clan. I'm Simshian and Tlinget. And I'm happy to be here with you all. So go up the way, you. Alfie Price. my name is Shagop, it means wave maker. I'm a Kispitwada, which is Killer Whale Clan. I can trace my lineage back to the ancient village of Gitlan, and I was born in Prince Rupert, B.C., and raised in Metlakatla, Alaska, and I live here in Juneau. Do I exit new some? Why need Hook Yunks, Dewayu, David Roger Lang, Dewam Gumchuam, Kispitwada, Diptegu, Juno Ligi, Akwan Ani, Dewil Zogu, Arawaku, Norma Lang Wallace, Wadi Noyu, uh, Roger Lang, Wanadina Guadu. My name is Hook Yunks. I'm Simshian, uh, Clinkett, and my clan is the Killer Whale Clan. And I was born in Juneau and live in Juneau. Um, my mother and father were Norma Lang and Roger Lang. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Dogs at Newsome, thank you. Their group, the Juno Sumalgiach Learners, faithfully meets every Saturday at noon. They hardly ever cancel a meeting and have a loyal group who shows up every week. The group here talks about how they started and how they got motivated to form a language group. I'm going to go ahead and start, and then Elfie will... It does a really good job. I'm just going to say in 2003... Uh, Donna Mae Roberts came to town, and she's a fluent Shemalgic speaker. Uh, she grew up speaking Shemalgic as her first language, and we first did a session with her doing TPR, Total Physical Response, for about a week, I believe. Um, and then after that, we did it sporadically um, at my home now and then. Well, I guess I will chime in with my side of the story um it's a little bit different than you know nancy and alfie's they've known each other for quite a while um i grew up in juno i did not grow up uh hearing any somalia in the house that was kind of lost in my family a couple generations ago um i had just recently moved back to Juno after having my first child, and I saw that David Boxley was um, putting on a like Somalia workshop class, whatever you want to call it, and it was in the evenings for a week, 
I believe in August. Um, so I was really excited. I'd been wanting to learn some Aliuk since I was a teenager. Um, and I just never had the opportunity before. So I went to the class. I went with my mom and my brother and I really enjoyed it. It was difficult, but I like a challenge. So, um, that's how I met everyone in our group. Well, most people, he left and he ended up coming back in November, I believe, for a, a follow-up class. And we all realized that we had forgotten a good portion of what we learned the last time. And we were kind of zoch about it, a little ashamed, uh, felt bad about forgetting so much. So um, Alfie put together, you know, a time and a place for us to meet every Saturday and that's what we've been doing. Uh, my story too is a, a little bit different. I wasn't uh, there for Mr. Boxley's first, uh, this is David Lang, by the way. Um, my uh, initial uh, introduction wasn't the first class that Mr. Boxley did or the first workshop. It was actually the second one. And I didn't even realize that it was a follow-up workshop because I was out of town when the first one happened. So they picked up where they left off and that was extremely uh, sink or swim. And, and I, uh, I, I floated all week. I made it to the end of the week and, and really seeing that group of people start with a, with a really good sized group of people. And by the end of the week, every day it would whittle down and, and it whittled down to a, a pretty small group of people by the end of the week and and a lot of those people are the the core people of our group and i wasn't there for the first initial uh couple of meetings that alfie and nancy had in the church but when they got the space that they're in now is about the time where i was able to make meetings regular and and been with the group ever since the very first meeting i had got us a space in a church basement and it was november 24 first and it was a Saturday morning and it had snowed all night long and so it was a, a cold snowy morning and I didn't think anyone was going to come. Uh, I was looking out the window in the church basement and watching for cars and uh, Alex and Nancy showed up and uh, that was our first meeting and a, a cold snowy winter morning. You can, yeah, I could just like really picture the church basement and the snow. And it was kind of a metaphor too for where we were at. You know, we were, um, we didn't know who all was hungry to learn our language. We didn't know who all was going to get together. Uh, it was, it wasn't an easy trek to get there. We had to, to mean it to get there, to be there, to, to start. So it was, it was a good. It was a good way for us to start. With the lack of uh, actual, besides those workshops, um, without a, a meeting point, it was, uh, we would, a lot of us would cross paths in, in different ways. Um, like when I first moved back to town, moved back to Juneau in 2009, I, I had moved away from uh I'd moved down to Olympia, Washington when I was a teenager. And so when I moved back in 2009, the first thing I did was go to see Alaska Heritage Institute and ask about uh, Simshian language resources of any kind. And they said, oh, um, uh, we don't have anything here in the gift shop. And that's when the gift shop was still small and in the old building. But they said, you, let me call Nancy. So they went and got Nancy <laughs> and Nancy went in the back and, and pulled out the Gathering of the Elders books and CDs and, and brought those out to me. And that was, that was how I met her. And then later on, uh, after the workshop with Mr. Boxley, um, she got a hold of me and said, hey, I have your, your book that, that we ordered from that workshop and met me in the Fred Meyer parking lot and, <laughs> you know, made sure I got that. So our paths were crossing like that. And so it was just great that once we had a, a, a spot to be able to uh, meet and, and get going, it, yeah, it's been really, uh, it's been really great to watch it grow and, and flourish. 
that their Saturday meetings are hardly ever canceled is quite a feat, especially when their class is on a weekend. So I asked how they grew their group from three people in a small church basement to where it is today, and how they get people to come to language practice regularly. We're persistent, and Alfie likes to bribe people with fish spread. Oh, food. <laughs> it's true. Um, and really, that has been uh, uh, the consistency of the group and, and having that place to, to be. Even if uh, uh, some of our core members can't make it, there's you can pretty much count on one hand the number of times we haven't been able to meet and uh, it's it's been really great to be able to uh, watch that. And I think with the online presence of the group has really helped spread the word and, and spread uh, uh, or a little notoriety to what we're doing and, and let people see. And uh, it's, it's helped a lot, the internet and, and being able to, and p people seeing how long the group has been doing what it's been doing has, um, I think made it a lot easier for people to share resources with us and trust that they're going to be used in the right way, which is important <laughs> and an unexpected hurdle to a language learner that is extremely enthusiastic. <laughs> um, some, sometimes finding the resources and sometimes you can see them but not have access to them. And that can be uh, very frustrating. We always have food, which is a good thing. And I think somebody asked me that question not too long ago. And we're, I feel like we've got a little community or a little family here. Um, you know, I've watched you know, Elfie's kids grow up and Alex's, you know, and I feel like you guys are my family. This is our Juno Simshian community. And I love telling the story that, you know, sometime there would be a blizzard where nobody could get out of my driveway. And I would text Elfie and I said, are we still having practice? And he goes, yeah, the coffee's on. And I go, okay. Um, but it was our dedication. You know, it's a good example of the the way that we all feel uh, to get there, it's important, important to me and all of us. Yeah, it took uh, it took persistence to get off the ground. There were just a handful of us at the start. And when I reached out to people in other communities to ask for help and told them who we are and what we're trying to do, I really didn't hear back from anybody except for one person, my cousin, uh, David Nelson III was a, an advanced learner, and he said, sure, I'll try to help. So we had him on speed dial. This was before we had access to the technology to use the video conferencing and the, and the Internet. I had my, my cell phone, and we would call David frequently and ask for help. And he was the only one who responded. And But as we kept consistently meeting and and working at it, then uh, people started to to know that we mean business. Um, we really want to learn that it's a real thing. And then we started getting help. And that's when we really, really grew. Um, it reminds me of that movie, if you build it, they will come. So we just had to, to be persistent. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't a, a really solid group at first. There were a couple of times where it was just my son and myself and we would play hangman on the whiteboard all in the language uh, just anything to use our language but as we kept at it then the group started to grow we got a, a group of core members and then we, there's several people who kind of come and go as they can and uh, I'd love to have everybody come back it would be such a a huge group if everybody who came for a little while came back. So it just took persistence on the part of the few of us that, that are here um, to, to keep at it. And then it started to have an effect on other people who want to learn. Another um, help to us is when Dr. Mikey Aldangeli was here as a professor and um, she's a teacher anyway. So when she came 
our sessions that really helped us out a lot. And then we did, uh, she arranged to have a week-long, what, what did we call that, a grammar intensive with um, Dr. Margaret Anderson and, and uh, Velma Nelson. Thank you. That was huge because we were doing, um, you know, a grammar intensive. And at the end of the, it was like, was it seven to nine every night or earlier? Um, so things like that just started happening and uh, helped us grow. There is not a fluent speaker of Samalgiach in Juno, which is a challenge, especially when learning an indigenous language. I asked the group how they have met that challenge and how they get a hold of fluent speakers. I'd say that's by far the biggest challenge that we have in any contact that we've been able to have with uh, fluent speakers, whether um, we're lucky enough to be able to sit with them in person, whether we're visiting um, elsewhere or they come to town, we're lucky enough to um, have them online with us occasionally. That, that's just been so helpful um, because so much knowledge that you you can study from a from a, a book, but so much conversational, casual knowledge falls that's not that would never be part of the lesson um, comes from those fluent speakers, and so the digital uh, aspect and that connection has really uh, helped bridge the gap to what small access we've been able to have. When we haven't had access to fluent speakers, um, we've either used resources that we already had, such as the dictionary or the workbook that we got from the David Boxley classes. And when that didn't get to be enough, like we would try to create our own resources and try our hand at translating things. It really helps me to try to translate some of the songs that my, my daughter really liked when she was a toddler. And I know one of the best ways to learn is to actually try and teach something. And it, that, that really helped when we didn't have fluent speakers to talk to. Yeah, as, as Alex mentioned, that one of the first resources we had was the book and CD series from, from David Boxley. Uh, we got to hear the sounds from the CDs and, and read the text and go through lessons. And then we got hold of a similar set, but a, a more, uh, a deeper and more advanced set from the school district 52 in Prince Rupert, British Columbia, that has many, many sound files from fluent speakers and uh, lessons meant to go for eight years. So these are the things that we had to to move us along from the beginning. Um, we had some other resources, other dictionaries. Um, one of the one of the issues that we have run into is there are different writing systems in our language, and so we had to learn different these two different writing systems um, so that we could make use of all of the materials. And uh, so that was a challenge. And as as we as we moved along, we started to kind of reach our our uh, our plateau of what we could learn from those resources. So we were grateful to Simsoadam Newsom, Dr. Michael D'Angeli, for connecting us with fluent speakers uh, on video conferencing. We've had help from um, uh, Bernice Bolton, Edward Innes. Uh, and now Teresa Lowther, who all live in BC, are all flu uh, fluent speakers, first language speakers. So we've really um, leveraged the technology to, to help us along. Yeah, and some of uh, the other uh, folks who have helped us is the Hike Foundation in Metlakatla. They've given money to us, seed money. Um, for our organization that's really helped. I was going to ask Alex about uh, her interactions with her children at home. Uh, yeah, I try to use the language when I can. Uh, I'm not as good about it as I should be, but I don't think anyone is. <laughs> um, 
But one of my daughter's first words was a Somalia word. Uh, it was mish, which I, I think is a lot of babies' first words. It means milk. <laughs> um, and I sing songs to them and play with them. And my daughter, now that she's five, she's, she's too cool to learn the language with me now. But I'm still, still working on her little brother. And, and we have fun doing it. It's pretty great that we have we have a couple of young toddlers in the group, a couple of young men who are between 10 and 12, and a couple of young ladies who are in their early 20s. Um, it really gives us a little hope that um, not only we are just are we just learning for ourselves, but we're planting the seeds so the language will keep on. Um, I like what Alex was saying about using the language with their children. I, I use it at home with my two kids, and uh, I tell them to get up, go to bed. It's time to eat. Um, just, you know, everyday language, and we use we use it in our house together. Um, sometimes I'm pretty sure we're saying things grammatically very incorrect, but that's all right. We're using the language. Uh, my son likes to uh, use his uh, knowledge of the language to talk about potty humor. <laughs> and I, I knew they were really understanding what they were saying and not just parroting back lessons when I heard them bickering in the language. And, I, you know, I, I knew they knew what they were talking about. I loved hearing about how Alex and Alfie's children use some algae in their house. And I thought it was great that they were connecting with fluent speakers through video conferencing for a long time before this pandemic. I asked the group if the transition to Zoom has been easier for them because they had that previous experience, and if there are any drawbacks or advantages to using Zoom. Yeah, I think the fact that we've been using, we started with Google Hangouts. We've been using video conferencing for about four years, I'd say. Um, and so we were already used to this as a means of, of communication. But usually it's those of us here today in the same room and then connecting with people who don't live here via Google Hangouts. <clears throat> but we'd already had lots of practice on doing lessons online. Um, so when we made the transition during the pandemic to online only, it was a lot easier. And we're really grateful to have Zoom. Um, I work for Clinton Haida Central Council and the president's office uh, paid for a, a professional Zoom account for us. So we don't have time limits. We can do the recordings. So not only do they allow us to use our conference room for our in-person meetings and the technology they're in now, we were able to, to use Zoom effectively. And so it wasn't a very hard transition for us. It's still difficult to not be in the same room together. It's a lot uh, more effective to work together in the same room. I really enjoy some of the features of Zoom where I can create the meeting ahead of time and people can come and go as they please. And there's very little administration on my part. Whereas with the previous softwares that we used, I could spend a half hour just tinkering with the technology to get it all working. So um, it's definitely been uh, um, fortunate for us to, to already be used to doing this and to have the ability to keep going with our, with our language work. Yeah, any new uh, technology or any new format that we use in a digitally always comes with with any kind of learning curve for for me i'm fumble fingers with this kind of stuff of course but you know it's always has its pluses and and minuses of course i'd rather be in the same room and eating fish spread and drinking coffee and and being in being present you know uh in it and sometimes uh enunciation can be a little hard to hear or you'll get little digital glitches and this and that. But then there's the plus side of having the, the chat open on the side where if somebody doesn't hear something, they can question or how is that spelled? You know, that one gets cleared up a lot 
in our groups right off the bat because everybody's already online on in the chat and so uh, things like that you know it has its positives as well so then the group gives me some tips for people who want to start their own language groups i would say that um in fact recently i somebody had posted something about uh from another uh community it says like you know we really want to have language nobody's doing language here and so i i reached out to that person and i said well do like we're doing just do it uh we don't have you know we did it with no funding really no support from anybody we did it because we there was a passion and a love of our language and who we are and so I would say, um, I'd like to hear from some of the other members that anybody could do it out of their home, wherever they are. It just takes a few people to get together. And if you have a little technology, um, you could hook up some, some fluent speakers. So everyone can do it. I mean, I look at where we started off, like Elfie said, with our little phone in a basement or at my place in 2003, and I didn't know what I was doing. I uh, would hook up a couple people on the on the speaker phone. Um, so anybody can do it. Yeah, really, and consistency. You know, consistency is the anchor of of the group. And and we're lucky that that Alfie has been extremely consistent through all of that. But even if it's uh, not on one person that has a key to the room or, or, you know, whatever it is, you, the group has to be in communication knowing that if, if somebody can't send out the invites that somebody else can and, and just making sure that people know that, that that resource is going to be there every week, even if it's only one or two people, because that consistency really pays off in the long run because people notice that, especially if you are able to establish a bit of an online presence. Alfie spoke on, um, and, and I did a little bit earlier about uh, how difficult it can be to gather resources and things like that. But uh, I've watched this group go from struggling for resources to being a very valuable resource. So it's, uh, and that's through consistency and, and people watching and noticing and than contributing so yeah oh yeah i would say my advice to somebody who who wants to start out um like nancy said um you just have to do it and it and i i think the key is commitment uh and not just from one person it has to be two or more people who make this choice together to to keep it going and uh, Nancy had been trying to lead the way for a long time before, um, you know, as, as Alex mentioned, we, we had a, separate, a second set of classes for Mr. Boxley, and we realized that if you don't use it, you lose it. So Nancy and I got our heads together, and we made the commitment together. It was, a, it was two of us, not just one person. And uh, so that's what we did. And that's why sometimes it's been just myself and my son in the room. But um, it takes that commitment. And um, they like to tease me sometimes because uh, one year, Saturday fell on Christmas Eve. And uh, they were assuming, I think, that we were going to pass but I said you know what I know everybody's busy but I'll be there with coffee on and um, I reached out I'm also part of the um, the Haida language learners group and so I reached out to my Haida language friends my Haida friends and said you know what if you're if you're looking for something to do come on by and we're gonna we're gonna have some food and we're gonna share some language and so it turned into a great party a bunch of uh, Samaic and Haida learners got together and we introduced ourselves in our languages. We sang Christmas carols in both languages. And uh, they like to tease me because I said, no, I'm going to be there whether anybody shows up or not. <laughs> so 
you know, it takes that kind of commitment for more than just one person. Um, so I think Nancy and, and Dave both, both hit it on the head. Just do it and be consistent. Oh, if you're just starting to learn the language, I'd say don't be embarrassed if you don't know how to pronounce everything right. We all have to start somewhere. I know we've been, at least I've been learning it for just under five years now, um, meeting every week pretty consistently, and I still feel like I speak like a toddler. And it can be kind of disappointing, but we all have to start somewhere, and we are still learning and, you know, putting in that work. And if you don't have somewhere to meet, you at least pre-pandemic, you could always meet at somewhere like the library. There are free free resources out there. And you can always, you know, look on Facebook or Instagram or other social media to find like-minded people who you can meet with online. You can share resources that way. So there, there are ways to do it. You just have to want to. You have to be dedicated and have the motivation. Yeah, I would definitely stress not to be uh, shy or intimidated. Uh, you, you'll misspeak. Of course you will. I mean, that's just part of it. You know, if you're trying to learn anything, uh, you're not going to hit the home run right out, right out of the park. But, you know, if you just commit to it and, and keep going, and that commitment will always be recognized. And you will receive help, you know in that way if you're able to reach out and connect to folks so yep and another thing too is um you need to be uh to to be gentle with each other because mistakes are going to be made you have to be open to being corrected um there were many times where we came across something new and we weren't sure if we were saying it right but we just went ahead and did it anyways and then Later, when we met with a, an advanced speaker or a teacher, and they were able to correct us, and you just have to be open to that. You can feel um, a little maybe embarrassed or awkward or even insulted sometimes if somebody corrects you, but it's fine because that's how we learn. That's how uh, you know we make mistakes as babies, even in English. You start off making goo goo gaga and then eventually with you know hopefully patience and understanding from other people you will you will be able to shape the language uh, to meet your needs so sometimes you have to be a little bit thick-skinned because not everybody is gonna be gentle with their correction not not everybody is gonna be understanding of where you came from uh, we come from several different teachers and so some of the way we say things are a little bit different and to us that's perfectly fine and so um, yeah be a little bit uh, gentle with each other be persistent and keep using the language even if you're messing up and um, be open to to correction when when you can get help from a teacher or a speaker it has been a struggle to get this far with without a fluent speaker in the room with us all the time, but it's not impossible. Yeah, it's it's been really amazing to to watch this group um, grow and flourish, and other language groups grow and flourish, and and be able to take advantage of the technology, and that's that's just such a, a such a plus that. Uh, there's so much available now. In my lifetime, there was no uh, Simshan potlatch or that kind of stuff when I was a kid until Mr. Boxley had his in the 80s where I was 10. I think my dad was a, in his 40s, you know? And so now um, our kids seeing dance groups and performances and stuff like that their whole lives, it's just normal. And the goal is to have, they, they, they didn't see that gap firsthand. And the goal is for them and future generations to not see that gap in language. So that's the hope.
David talking about the cultural revitalization in Metlakatla and normalizing Simshian culture segued perfectly into my next question, which was about the Simshian feast that happened here in Juneau last year where some group members were given names and others were adopted into clans. Well, we had our first... Um... We had a feast here, as you know. Was that last April, I believe? Yeah, it was during um, a 4th of July weekend, and I was flying home, of course, so I couldn't go. But it really meant a lot. I, I, um, My whole focus was just getting, uh, we had um, wanting Alfie's children to have a clan uh, because uh, they just needed to have a clan. And... Uh, so that's kind of how it started. But we end up having a very awesome feast. It was really awesome to have the support of our Metlakatla friends to fly up here and be with us. That was David Boxley, uh, Gabaum Laha, Candy McGilton, Gavin Hudson, and William Joey Bolton got a lot of advice. Um, I reached out to a lot of elders down there, uh, one being uh, my Aunt Ruth Booth down there, just, to, you know, and I'm sure, I think everybody else did the same. Um, and I wasn't planning on even want, getting a name. I just wanted to get names for and get these kids adopted and my little Nancy a name. But I ended up getting a name uh, from the Boxleys down in Metlakatla when I was visiting there. And uh, it was just a wonderful experience. And uh, we've got it on. I'll have to show you the videos sometime, lots of videos of it. It was our first and hopefully not our last. Um, we were actually planning another one. Um, and then th this situation, this pandemic happened. So our, our first Lulgit, which is what we call this kind of feast, um, happened in July, um, was a result of us getting together to do our language work. When we first started, um, that, that wasn't really part of our plan. Our plan was we wanted to learn the language. But as we learned the language and um, the way... Part of our language um, is helps us see the world as our ancestors did. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the story. When I I, I heard Samayak as a as a child, and I was taught Adao stories by uh, Arnold Booth, who would come into our classroom when I was in second grade in elementary school, and and he had this great big booming teacher voice, and he would tell us these about Hamsham, the raven stories, and uh, all these other uh, oral histories. And he would teach us a little language and uh, also um, teach us how to be. You know, we were elementary age children who were all squirrely in our chair or whatever, and he'd say, Ducks and Dan. And it means sit still. And when you, when I heard his big booming teacher voice, I, I sat still. And I saw him years later when I was an adult, and I said, "Mr. Booth, it's you know, it's so good to see you. I, I still remember these stories, and I remember you telling us that Duxham Dan." And I always, I always freeze, and he kind of chuckled and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, "Well, you know, it doesn't just mean sit still. Duxham Dan means be still like a flounder on the bottom of the ocean. You know, the the flounder." It's still because its life depends on it. It's avoiding predators. It's waiting for food to come by. And so this was my first clue that some ayak was more than just another way to say things. This was um, this was how our people view the world. And so the more we got together and, and learned our language and the way um, our our ancestors viewed the world and learned about our histories, which also, be, you know, was part of our learning, our uh, Simshian history. Uh, a result of that is we realized that not a single one of us had a Simshian name, which is uh, every Simshian's birthright. 
you know, when you're when you're born in America, you get a name. I am I'm Alfie. There's no reason uh, a Simshian child can be born and not have a name. So this is a thing that we realized. Uh, a bunch of us didn't even have a clan, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's our birthright. So this is a thing that we started talking about. And in our traditions, we, were, we really aren't set up for that. We don't have a, a chief. We don't have a clan leader here who can do these things for us in a very traditional manner. So we had to reach out to elders in other communities. And we did. We spoke to people in Metlakatla, Alaska, and Ketchikan, and British Columbia. And we told them what our situation was and what we needed. And so we were able to get advice and guidance from a lot of elders before we even felt it was OK to do this. And then. We're uh, we're not on Simshian land, so we reached out to um, Fran Houston, who's a spokesperson for her mother, the clan leader of the Aquan people. Since we're on Aquan territory, we asked permission for us to do our Simshian tribal business here, and so we were able to get their blessing. So that's how that's how that came about. Um, and as Nancy said, we're we're planning on another one because we have several members who also need their names. Uh, and so as soon as we can get past this pandemic, we're going to keep moving forward with that. I wanted to um mention one thing uh, before, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, going back to 2003, and one person I want to acknowledge that beside people like my uncle Ira Booth and others, you know, that um, inspired me and my grandmother, Clara Ridley, one of our language learners was my cousin, Pam Booth. And after... Um, we were so touched by, you know, what we learned that week. And Pam said to me, she passed away uh, years ago, but she was very emotional. And she said, Nancy, she said, we have got to keep doing this. We have to keep speaking, even if it's only a few words, even if it's just you and me. And uh, I just wanted to mention that and acknowledge Pam for being an inspiration. Nancy mentioned to me before that the group wanted to become a nonprofit, so I wanted to hear more from the group about this and what they wanted to do as a nonprofit. It's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we we are in a official corporation at this point and now our next step is is filing the tax paperwork for a nonprofit. Um in trying to gather resources um, and running into uh, uh, some hurdles over the years, we realized that um, on a personal level, we were able to, to gather a lot of resources, but um, there were things like uh, if there were grants or um, people were trying to put uh, organizations together with money to pursue certain things that in that way, um, we don't have things like a tax ID and things like that for people to contribute to us in an official way. And it makes it to where we're able to conduct our business on a more official level and um, be able to, um, uh, like I said, uh, work within the a little more of a paperwork structure if people want to contribute and things like that, and uh, build it up that way. So. Yep, it'll definitely open up more resources for us and funding opportunities so we can help other learners grow more. Um, whether it's through us 
providing something to them or connecting them with with fluent speakers. And I'm, I'm really excited about what we're going to do with this in the future. Lastly, the group gave some words of encouragement to new language learners and those who want to learn their indigenous language but haven't started yet. My first teacher, Donna, Donna Mae Roberts, had a saying, well, it was actually the name of her organization, was Dumbeldum, uh, we will try. And it's a very powerful statement, we will try, and she had this a long uh, thing that she would say, we will try no matter what will keep trying and keep going on? Yeah, my advice to a uh, a, a learner, a new learner, um, in addition to what we talked about earlier, and in, in not being shy and being vocal in a group, um, also just know that that uh, being persistent in pursuing this, you will cross paths with other people doing the same. You'll cross paths with like-minded people. And in this case, it's built, uh, you know, a, a family around language here. Before I ever met Alfie, I got the uh, uh, Simshian Language Dictionary on Amazon. And there is one review for that book. And it's by Alfie. <laughs> and it says, this book is difficult but a very valuable resource. I forget the exact wording, but I was like, I, I know that name from Facebook and I know that I, you know, so it just goes to show that eventually we're going to, we were going to cross paths. And, and honestly, when we uh, uh, were in Mr. Boxley's workshop was the first time I'd seen Alfie in person. And he just turned around and nodded like, Oh, there you are. <laughs> because uh, we knew that we were both, uh, we could see each other digitally and uh, we could see each other's tracks. So it's, you'll find other people, um, even if you start off by yourself, it'll lead to uh, a community of people that are doing the same for sure. My advice is pretty similar. Um, don't be afraid to make connections with people. I am a very introverted person. <laughs> I don't like talking in public. Um, but we've built a family here and we tried to provide a safe space for people to learn. So don't be afraid to make connections with other learners and use your language as much as you can, at least once a day, I'd say, even if it's something small, even if it's just saying hello or something like that. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Alex about um, just using, use your language, uh, even if you don't know a lot. When we first started, we had maybe 50 or 60 words of vocabulary between a lot of us, and uh, we couldn't really put a sentence together. But just because that we practiced what we knew, that was our that was our initial goal. When we first started off almost five years ago, we wanted to practice what we knew so that we wouldn't forget again, so that maybe the next time a teacher came to town we wouldn't be dull. We wouldn't be embarrassed and have to start over. We would be ready to continue. But then we weren't satisfied. Uh, we started to seek out help and resources. And we really built on that just little bit of practicing what we knew. And, you know, you, you, you may have seen our, our Instagram account. When I look back at some of our very first posts, I'm a little dull about the way we talked and the, some of the things we said because we've learned since then. And, and that's fine. It's a, it's a some IAC learners group, but uh, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Just keep using the language. Uh, you will, you will correct yourself as you learn. You don't have to worry about speaking like a baby forever. You're, you're going to, to build on what you know. So that, that would be my advice. Everybody's welcome to join us. There's a lot of room on Zoom, and uh, everybody's welcome. I think some people are um, have said, "Is that a closed group?" And I said, "No, you know, come and come and join us." So every Saturday at noon. So I'd like to say one more thing about our our, our vision for the future, and and the rest of you can jump in or or guide me. Um, 
I think the biggest part of our vision is to keep connecting with fluent speakers and keep reaching out for help so that we can continue our progress. And that was kind of the foundation of our our seeking nonprofit status. We wanted to get fluent speakers here to teach us or send a couple of us to to them to record them. Because the, the books and the sound files are, are well and good and they've been super helpful, but it just doesn't it's not the same as conversing with somebody in the room. So I I think that's that's our vision is to um to keep making those connections. And it's put us in a unique position where people are reaching out to us as a resource, as Dave said. We've become a resource for other people, other learners who are in the very same situation that we were. They want to learn their language, but they don't live in in a Samaic speaking community. And so they've reached out to us on our social media. And some of them join us on our Zoom meetings now. So it's it's really become a lot bigger than just a few of us. Uh, it does a couple of things. It it makes us work harder to 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 do well because we want to be sure that we're passing along good information, and it's it's good for us to show where where we're at and who we are. Yeah, everyone's welcome at any time in the group, any level. We are a language learning group. Um, sometimes people might mistake it for a class or something that's already in progress that maybe uh, they might feel uh, shy dropping in on if if it's if it's their day one. But we welcome, of course, everybody at those levels, and it's been so great to be able to gather so many different ways of presenting information over the years and uh, be being able to adapt the group in a way that it's still fun for everybody, whether it's uh, everybody in the room has a really good foundation or whether uh, half the room has almost none, you know, we're able to, to roll with it like that. It's great. Doix Newsome. How ah, uh, thank you, Nancy, Alex, David, and Alfie for joining me in this episode of Roots and Stones. Talking to you all was truly inspiring, and I am excited for what the Juno some Algiaf learners have in store for the future. Their group meets every Saturday at noon on Zoom, and if you are interested in joining a session, feel free to contact Nancy Barnes or Alfie Price to get a Zoom link, and during non-pandemic times, the location of their meeting. Chahaa, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Roots and Stems. House Dunks King Song. I will see you again. Roots and Stems is sponsored by Sea Alaska Heritage. Artwork for this podcast is by Lingit artist Allison Bremner. The music is a Tsimshian song from Metlachatla, composed by Chuk Tugnitzaskik. Gavin Hudson. For granting us permission to use the Askim Dim Lip Algagam for this podcast. Please visit sealaskaheritage.org for more information on this podcast and other programs.